everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education and Assistant Chair of Music Education, and I'm proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts to the Able Voices Podcast. The guest host for today's episode is Precious Perez. Precious is a classically trained pop, R&B, and Latin vocalist, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist with a double bachelor's degree in music education and vocal performance from Berklee College of Music. She is also a published children's author. Precious is blind. Her goal is to make a difference through doing what she loves and showing the world that blind people are as capable as everyone else. She hopes to inspire future generations to pursue their dreams and be successful in the same way that she has, because she knows that anything is possible and giving up is never an option. Precious aims to be the first blind Latina artist at the forefront of the Latin music industry. She is confident that she can lead, she can achieve, and she can be the one who alters the way that people see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Able Voices podcast. I'm your guest host, blind singer-songwriter and music educator Precious Perez, and today I'm very excited to have with me Question and Dan Romero, also known as Label, from Blind and Famous. They are both wonderful artists, talented producers in their own right, and they also are part of a group called Blind and Famous. Welcome to both of you thank you you appreciate you (laughs) thank you so much chilling chilling how are you i'm doing well you know just hanging out vibing it's a good day yeah it is (laughs) so tell me a little bit about how each of you got into music like how this became the thing that you do and then how blind and famous happened whichever one of y'all wants to go first go for it you can start it bro uh yeah so when i was a kid i used to um sing to songs on the radio and it was so funny because i was doing harmony but i never knew what the name was you know what i'm saying Mm. so i would start singing with songs and i would start adding my own bass lines in my head and i'm like wow like there's something really amazing about this and that's that's how i got into it and then when i was 13 i met someone who was a few years older than me he was kind of like my mentor in singing he talked to me about He's like, yo, you got a voice. Like, you can really use your voice. And he was like, with just a few little tips and tricks here, you can really strengthen what you got. And I didn't believe it because I was just embarrassed. Like, I, I never really liked singing in front of people. So I was really, really embarrassed. And then, um, but that lit a fire under me. And so a couple years later, I was playing music in school. I finally picked up keyboards and, and piano in eighth grade. And um, throughout high school is when I started really learning how to produce music. And then I was like recording little songs in my mom's living room at the time on my computer. And I was just making these songs. And I went to go perform one at the talent show at my school. And like it was a packed house. It was like a thousand plus people there. And uh, there was this whole situation that happened because I had... I had audition. Well, I didn't audition. They had assumed that I was just going to be playing piano. So when I got up there to perform, I, um, I'm like, where's the mic? Where's the mic at? You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm mm-hmm. going to sing too. 
So they bring the mic out. I perform. It's the first standing ovation of the night. And I remember like there was it was like nine performances before me. So this whole night has gone by. No, you know, we've seen everything. Incredible dancers, incredible, you know, hip hop artists, like people doing some amazing things. But I was the first one who got a, a standing ovation. So my mom was at that show and she cried like she bawled because my mom never knew. Like she knew that I like to tinker around and stuff, right. but she never knew how serious it was that it would drive people. And that was kind of like the driving force for me. So with that story, real quick, the uh, one of the people who was running the show, she was some administrator at the school, came up to me and said I was automatically disqualified because I wasn't supposed to sing and I was only supposed to play keys and the song was a little raunchy. What? And so at the end of that talent show, one of my brothers from high school, his name is Ricky Rosa. He was a Latin percussionist. He won the award. He won the talent show. And we were so tight. We had played shows together, and he was mm -hmm. so, he, we were so tight. He, he was like, you know, I, I don't think it's fair what happened to my bro. I'm a, I want to share this award with my man. And then there was another standing ovation, and the crowd went crazy. The real one. And that was the yes. one. That was, that was like what literally pushed me to be like, I can do this singing thing. I can do it. So that's how it started. And then I was writing songs for people. And then um, I realized like writing songs is literally rapping with melody. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I started realizing that and started putting to paper raps and, and actually exploring that side of thing, uh, th th that side of those things. So I uh, got into rap later, but I realized like, I wasn't going to put out any rap songs or anything with me like spitting bars if it wasn't going to be good because it's such a it's such a high respected lane, you know what I'm saying? For sure. And so, uh that's my story of how I really got into really singing and um singing and rapping. That's fantastic. That's a great story too because it's like, you know, you you come out and you do this thing and nobody's realizes like the talent that you actually have until you get up and do it. And then yeah. you're like, whoa, what? That came out of you? <laughs> Everybody was thrown off. So at school, you know, it was a huge school. Was, I went to a high school that was that sat on like 55 acres of land. Wow. And, uh, and like I was just known through the whole school as the guy who sang, <laughs> like the, the, the guy who sang and played keys. So it was really cool. It was, it was such an amazing thing. That's awesome. Malik, how about you? How did you get started in all this? Yeah, for me, it was like, it was similar. Um, I just, I started out early. Like, I also had a lot of experiences in school, like in talent shows and doing different things. But I grew up with music. Like, I grew up um, a student of music like Dan. But it was, it was like, I just took to it real fast. Like as a, as a baby, like as a two year old, I was like making beats with little keyboards and taking um, certain toys that could make sounds and like trying to DJ with them and trying to do different things and put stuff together. So um, my mom is like still to this day, my number one supporter. And uh, 
enabled me to be in a lot of different places and put me on a lot of different platforms. So literally from like three years old, she took me to um, different studios of like places that she had with her friends just in their crib and they had keyboards that had like the drums I was looking for from the music I was listening to, hip hop music and just things I was studying. So I was able to just start putting my ideas down into the world and kind of understanding like, okay, these people really make beats, they're recording. Like we would leave and be walking around and like um, the way the apartment was set up, they had like a window, you could see, you know, where they was at. And it was like, okay, okay, they made a beat. Like I was just playing drums. They made a whole beat. They're making a song right now, rapping on a microphone. I want to do that. So then like two years later, like I started freestyling when I was five, like in that same studio, um, my bro, Big Neb, who actually now is um, a voiceover artist. He's done like commercials for Gatorade and things like that. But like, he's an MC, he's an artist and um, a DJ. I, I, d- I done my first, my spin in there. My first like experience with turntables was at his spot. So when I was five, I went there and he had some beats on and they just had a microphone and I started freestyling and he captured it. Like we made a CD of it that day. And, and it was a similar situation because I, I guess I had been kind of practicing to myself up until that point. Um, it's a little bit hazy to remember. I know from that point forward, like I can remember anywhere I would be like at school, at different daycares, camps, wherever I would just be freestyling and honing my skills to myself. Um, kids might be playing games or doing whatever. And me being blind, sometimes like I wouldn't be included or I wouldn't know how to go include myself. Um, and so my outlet would just be the freestyle and it was natural. I didn't care. I didn't think about it. It wasn't even like therapy at that time. It was more what I wanted to do was to just hone my skill freestyling. Um, so like I did that for a while and just like studied different people, uh, focused on different artists in, in the game and like living in Atlanta for a lot of time. Atlanta, it's a, it's a big city, but it's a small city. Everybody knows somebody. So I was able to keep like going to different studios and meeting people. I had a chance to go to one of Young Jeezy video shoots when I was like six and just talk to him and meet him. And that like kind of lit a fire under me. I was playing keyboards and kind of learning melodies. I started trying to make beats for Jeezy that day. Like I wasn't good. What a time. Cause that was 2007. I mean, he was blowing up. When was that? Early 2000s? Nah, yeah. that like 2002? Like 03, probably. Yeah. 03? And mm-hmm. he was really about It was the to Trapper like... Die. It was the Trapper yes. Die video shoot. Yes. So That's it was crazy. amazing because I go there and I know the song. And then as I'm leaving, like, and then what is playing on the radio? You know, his song with Manny. Um, So, wow. you know, I was at his shoot and then going home, I hear his music. And I just go there and I immediately just like start trying to make beats for him. And like I said, like I didn't have the sounds I needed at that time. I didn't have the skill I needed at that time. But now looking back on that, that was a certain drive. That was a certain like, just inspiration. Like, it was like, I talked to this man, I had a certain feeling and then that just kept me moving forward. So I mainly was rapping um, cause I didn't have access to too much technology until I got to like middle school. And then I started learning how to make beats um, and I sort of progressed through high school and through my school, I worked with like a lot of my friends around me and learned a lot about different things. I need to know how to make beats, like how to play certain chords, how to mix things. Um, just like a lot of tips that I would get here and there. But like my first beats, I actually made on the sound recorder program on Windows XP. Wow. Like I just. Wow. I took, <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a school laptop 
in middle school and like one of my mom's friends, like she kept me plugged in. She was, she saw the talent and she harnessed it. Like she just gave, she told me like, you go be famous. You're going to do this. Like it, it low key was before I even realized I wanted to do it. But I think she knew that it was something so different that I would end up wanting to do it. So she just would always look out for me and like, um, you know, I ended up DJing one of my dances just to backtrack a little bit, like uh, similar to, you know, something that Danny was doing. Like I DJed in my elementary school because my mom um, got with one of her brothers and ended up getting me a mixer when I was like 10 or nine. And so I ended up like being the school DJ and I used to like look up to the DJ for everything he was doing. So that was a crazy moment, too. So she like had somebody else load my middle school laptop up with all the different programs I needed and they the school had loaded it up with JAWS. So now I was able to combine the music software with accessibility software. And I was able to figure out a way to use them both. And okay, this is what I can do. This is where the limits are. This software doesn't work. I got to kind of throw this one away. And the one I found was um, SoundForge 8, but I didn't quite know how to make beats in SoundForge yet. I learned later. So I just did a lot of tinkering with Sound Recorder and just really figured out a lot of different things and just progressed then through years of school making beats um it was weird i like stopped rapping for a minute and focused solely on beats and then i like around the time i graduated i figured out how to put them both together and then a year later i went to the colorado center for the blind um and around that time i met label he actually came like out there to visit some people in person and that was when he was like honing his rap skills and i was really getting back into rapping so um, our close friend, Damasta, who is here in Georgia with me, we went to the School for the Blind together and we had just been starting to form a really close working relationship, making Shout a lot of Master, music. man. That's the brother yeah, right there, man. Legendary. He's got yes. a, a real lane of his own. And so he and I were making a lot of music and I met Label at this time and just started showing him a lot of the newer beats that I was doing. And he was showing me music he was listening to and I was familiar, familiar with music he was making and putting out. And so we just started collaborating and it was real easy. So we made like probably 10 to 15 songs in the space of like six months, like between (laughs) me and I, we just started going crazy. And so that's how I like really got started. That was like the seed of BNF. That's amazing. And now y'all are like putting out mixtapes and there's a bunch of y'all making beats and we actually did a collaboration and stuff so it's it's really really awesome to see that happen um we did a couple we got like you're featured on one of my jams and then we did some production for you so right it's more coming and that's the beautiful thing of collaboration and there's there's often trades like sometimes you might make a song and you don't know who it's going to be for until it's done and then you're like all right this sounds more like you know, something that you might want on your right. project. So then you pass it around. But like collabs are always amazing. Absolutely. I feel like when you collab with your friends too, you know what I mean? Like when it's, for me, collaboration is real when you really connect with the person you're working with. Mm-hmm. So that's also a really fun aspect of all of this. Um, And I wanted to ask both of you, you know, being that the collective is blind and famous and that you're both blind musicians, mm-hmm. how has blindness and your disability played a role in what you do? For me, um, it's something that I continue to learn more and more about as I grow. It's an experience that you never really stop learning. 
Um, the world changes every day. And um, I didn't understand the responsibility that I had when I first started working in, in, in artistry. Um, going to the CCB, um, which is the National Federation of the Blind Center, they talk a lot about advocacy and you know self-independence and really knowing how to speak for what you need and understanding how to move on your own um, and what comes with that is a lot of freedom but a lot of responsibility and you see that you know some blind people unfortunately a lot of blind people don't do that and don't really have a certain confidence level to do that so for me fortunately because of the network around me my blindness didn't hinder me a lot when i was a kid um i didn't realize some of the ramifications that could happen um, but then as I grow older and I see different people's experiences and learn different things and learn more about advocacy and start to care more and start to understand why advocacy is so important. Like now I've just been able to start to incorporate the fact that I am blind into things that I do, you know, blind and famous. I want it to be right, right in the front of everything. I want to talk about my cane in my music. I want to have my cane in my videos in my video shoots, uh, you know, when I'm on stage different places. And there's times where maybe I don't need my cane if I'm doing some type of choreography. Like, you know, I'm I'm a natural person. So, you know, whenever, if, I, if I'm playing a piano, you know, with both hands, I don't need my cane in this shot Just nowhere. Just standing up like against yeah. your arm, like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Just casually stabs yourself in the neck by <laughs> trying to move around, you know. Yeah. So there's <laughs> limits. But uh, <laughs> it's just something I keep learning. And something that I've learned is just vastly important and something that I'm very uh, proud to represent for our people. Absolutely. I will tell you, um, one thing I've lived by is uh, nine out of ten times, you can't change your disability. You can change how people perceive you. And um, I really believe that it has strengthened how much time and effort I put into other things because I'm not going to worry about something I can't change. Uh, and I think that's really important for people who have something. If there's something that you have and and you you know you love it and you know you want to like pursue it and really add on to it, the things that you can't change aren't things, and it's easier said than done, but they shouldn't be things you, you worry about. What you should worry about is making your next song. What you should worry about is you know, connecting and really uh, and really getting together with some of the people that are going to elevate you in whatever industry you're in and whatever you want to do. So I have, was very lucky to have a mom who let me be a kid. Um, I had a mom who let me travel at 14 years old by myself on, a, on an airplane. Uh, and after that, honestly, after that, it's kind of like it was it opened doors because I proved to her that I was okay going somewhere for two weeks at 14 years old. So it was just like an unleashed beast. I just started traveling <laughs> everywhere and visiting friends in Virginia, Relatable. And <laughs> Tennessee. And I mean, I just started traveling to so many places mm -hmm. and really getting connected with people. And so that was, that was it for me. You know, I, I really think the background is having good people. I had a pediatrician. And I had my mom, my mom had great people around her to tell him to tell, to, you know, to tell her, don't put him in a blind school. There's nothing wrong with him. 
you know, my, my pediatrician, rest mm -hmm. in peace, Dr. Katz, she was such an influential woman in my life. She passed away with breast cancer. Uh, but she literally was, she would look my mom in the face and be like, don't, don't fall into the pressure of putting him in places that might limit him because he's got a lot to offer. And so my mom really took that. She teamed up with some of the best people who she knew that weren't going to turn me down and weren't going to try to put me in a place where I, you know, I literally did not, I couldn't flourish. And so that was, that was my, um, that was my chance and that was my luck. That's amazing. And uh, honestly, bless those people in our lives that like really, you know, if our parents don't know better, we'll say like, hey. They're okay. They're going to be okay. Yeah. Like, those yeah. are real ones for sure. We all need that guidance. Like, um, you know, it takes a village, they say. Um, nobody's perfect. So it's definitely helpful to have people who can offer advice, like, in a lot of different areas. For sure. So we're going to hear an excerpt of y'all's music. Can you tell me a little bit about the first excerpt we're going to hear? Yeah, which which one you want to play first? Let's do let's do Fine Ting first. I I will tell you right now this this song literally put me on the, uh, back on the map for singing cuz I was rapping strictly for a few years. And I literally was spending some time with a friend of mine in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> and I got this beat in my Dropbox from another Blind and Famous member. His name is his name is Matt Matt Mac. Mhm. And uh, Matt Mack is just an incredible talent. He's out yeah, of Canada. So, and he's, he's taking over Canada right now. Yeah, he's got man. songs like charting on their uh, radio stations. Yes. And he's um, going to North by North by Northwest, which is happening now. Oh, or North nice. by Northeast. It's like it's like it's, it's South by South by Canada version. Um, he's going taking over that. And he's been at like um, Canada Day recently and did different different like hella different things up there he's going crazy like. and the songs have charted so much i mean he's been on sirius xm you know as a as a as several spins so i'm just so proud of him but he sent me this beat and um and i loved it i loved the bounce i loved how melodic it was but it's very subtle so it gave me so much room and so i got to sing on there and then that was it that was the only song that was the the that was just me on on singing on the song and then a couple years later, so that song came out right at the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. We go through COVID, all this stuff. I have a friend in, uh, in Pennsylvania, Northeast Pennsylvania, who's a well-respected rapper. And uh, his name out. is Light. Yeah, man, Lights Out. And uh, Lights Out wanted to jump on the remix. And then, of course, I got Damasta and my man Question on the remix as well. And so it got to be a full-blown song and got to kind of – it was like a rebirth, man. Like it, it gave it gave new light to that song, and so this is what it sounds like.
Awesome. Honestly, I love that song so much. I did a cover of it. You did. I felt yeah. so, yeah, I yeah, felt so yeah. important. <laughs> that was so cool. I was like, I need to pick a BNF song to just like vibe on. And that was the one that was stuck in my head for a while. And I was I'm like, so you know what? We just, we're just going to do it. We're just, <laughs> just going to so do glad. it. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Now everybody knows how fantastic both of you are. Thank um, you. Love, love. So... What is the next song that everybody's going to hear? Tell us a little bit about that. This next one is Isolation. So this is Matt Max's latest single, actually. Um, and he produced this himself, completely produced by Matt Mac. And it's talking about um, some of the anxiety that he deals with being um, a First Nation artist. He grew up and for a while lived on um, a reservation community like a fly-in community you can only get in like via plane so it's very um sort of in a way disconnected from certain things um and sort of it's isolated so it's yeah a it's a lot community. of pressure that comes with that right yeah like, a lot of people know first, you yeah yeah um, making sure a, you're representing the reservation in the right way right so yeah um and there's there's a lot of issues that have been uh uncovered recently that they've been you know kind of working with and so he speaks on that in this song um he actually worked with me on some of the songwriting we actually had like a virtual team talk set session where he would show me certain cadences that he enjoyed and that he wanted to have incorporated in the song and we would figure out different phrases different flows different ways to really make that come to life so this song is already like going crazy on multiple platforms just premiered on youtube a couple of days ago it's been on streaming platforms for about a week now, and this is Isolation. I just be leveling when they got this money, now I'm golden. They talk on me, but I ain't hear a word what they saying. I just wanna cut this paper, make any moves, I'm just trying to get my pay up, yeah. I on a prize, I'm just living for the moment. I keep it real indigenous, I tell her come on scolding. Coming from the rest, I just deal with all this isolation. Stacking all this bread, yeah. now they see my son across the nation. Cut a mic on and they hearing me Nowadays the fans tap them, they don't know I'm experiencing Sometimes I still got problems or people who be near to me Drugs help my insecurities, but they don't help them clearing things Still ain't trusting nobody, they say they love me Fantastic. I'm excited to see what y'all continue to do next Because there's only really up from here, honestly um, So, y'all have shared some really important wisdom on just you know going out there and doing what you want to do and being passionate about it and not really letting things limit you so what advice do you have for blind musicians and musicians with disabilities in general as far as following their dreams and and doing what they love do it as if you're making a million dollars for it that's the biggest piece of advice i can give you take whatever you want to do and treat it like you're being paid like a top earner because that's how you know you're going to put all of your passion, all of your creativity, and all of your will to achieve that one dream. And so really, like, treat it as if you're literally making a fortune from it. That's great advice. That's, that's, that's right on par. The only thing I would add to that, because that sums up a lot of what, you know, a lot of us focus on manifestation and really speaking yep. your goals into existence and... Um, really just having that drive. So if you do it like you already are earning what you would like to, um, that's definitely the way. But I would just say, um, along with that self-honesty, you know, make sure that you take accountability for where you are and for what you need to do. And self-love, you know, make sure you take time to appreciate 
who you are and appreciate what you've accomplished and appreciate your abilities and your gifts and the time that you have to um to keep going you know be excited wake up and love every day you know i often tweet happy monday people get caught in this like algorithm of hating the time that they're given and we need to appreciate that while we are able and while we can move so we're gonna leave it off on that <laughs> absolutely well it's been wonderful having both of y'all here this has been really great um i want you to plug yourself any projects you got coming up share your socials where can everybody find each of you and both of you together as collaborators um all the things yeah follow me man um at question atl on twitter at question atl on instagram also follow the gang at blind famous on twitter and go to go subscribe to the youtube channel blind and famous on youtube go stream that new isolation matt max latest single and stream that bless up under question atl that's my latest yeah. single. you know what i'm saying and on label yeah. gonna let you know where to hit them up at definitely hit me up so it's so interesting you know my full-time situation is radio i'm a radio personality and so all my socials are under my radio name at romero on air but anytime i drop music it's always going to be there so at romero on air literally for instagram twitter uh you can find me on youtube you can find me on tiktok and um and also of course like you said follow blind and famous on twitter blind famous and uh, and we would love to see you there, and we would love to know what you think of our music. Fantastic. This has been a wonderful episode. So glad y'all could make it and share with yes, everybody. thank you again. Thank you, Precious. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Able Voices podcast, and stay tuned. This concludes this episode. production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez Del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, you can find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-A-E, or email us at B-I-A-A-E at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot E-D-U.